Man, have you ever, have you ever jumped out of the shower and then took off to go do something? And, and then you're sweating and you just like feel like just you're a puddle of mess. That's, that's me this morning. That baptistry is hot. I feel like a gorilla running a marathon. And, uh, and uh, so if I'm sweating, I'm not having a heart attack. I'm just really hot. And uh, man, good morning. And uh, I am very, very glad to be able to speak and hang out for a little bit this, uh, this morning. Al Flowers told me in the coffee shop this morning, he said, Josh, he said, uh, the revival speaker spoke for 50 minutes last week, and so it's up to you to make up the difference. I'm giving you seven. I said, I, so here we go, listen well. Um, you know, I got to already apologize to a, to a handful of college students. Um, probably about three or four weeks ago, Justin was not feeling well on a Sunday evening, at about six o'clock or so, and, and he, he called me, and he said, Josh, he said, I don't feel well at all. He said, uh, he said, I've got to go home. He said, can you speak at college tonight? And I said, yeah. He said, don't worry. Just speak whatever you're speaking on uh, at youth and just, you know, speak it again at college. I was like, well, buddy, we're having a prayer service. I said, but I said, we'll, find, we'll, we'll figure something out. And, uh, and so what I, all I could obviously do that shorter notice was just kind of talk about my quiet time a little bit and uh, what God has been speaking to me uh, personally about. And... So I apologize to the college students because it's going to be some of those same thoughts because it has still been very, very real. And, and I think over the last few weeks, God has been refining it a little more. And, uh, and it's just what is probably on the forefront uh, of my mind more than anything else. And so I feel like this is kind of where God has me in life right now. And, um, and so that's what we're going to look at. Just so in case you want to turn there, we're in Luke chapter 9, right at the end of the, passage, right at the, end of the chapter. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 9, but it's going to be on the screens and, uh, and so that you, you don't have to, uh, if you don't have a Bible, don't freak out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be there for you. Um, i tell you what, just so while we're here, let's go ahead and dive into it. In uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, and I'm just going to read it from the screens because i got a little different translation. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. In verse 58, Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You've got to think about this conversation. We've got to put this conversation that's going on in context, okay? If you look back in the chapters before this, in, in the beginning of Luke, we started seeing Jesus at the, like, a very, very high point in his ministry. Jesus is casting out demons. Jesus is feeding 5,000. Jesus is healing the sick. And, and, and it's just huge stuff going on. Unlike you or I now, then for, for them to hear and to, to, we can't, they couldn't download a podcast. They obviously couldn't save a message to their DVR. They couldn't, they couldn't do any of these things. And so for them to hear what this guy that was doing all of this amazing stuff, they had to be there. If they wanted to hear it, firsthand. They had to be there to hear it firsthand. And so Jesus had crowds of people, large crowds of people that literally followed him wherever, wherever he went. Feeding the 5,000, we saw it. Jesus wanting to go and to get away and, and you know, to do his, do his thing and just kind of relax. And then all of a sudden, he is swamped by people. And he's like, well, let's preach to them and let's talk about it. And, let's talk about, and, so he, and he feeds them. Uh, these crowds followed him. Obviously, this person is very excited. 
This person is probably obviously very excited because of everything that has gone on. And so kind of when I read this, I naturally kind of hear this guy's tone of voice saying, saying, Jesus, you know what? Man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You're doing this. You're healing these people. All this is going on. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. He's saying, I'm going to sell my life out to you. I'm going to be, I'm, I am yours is what he's saying. And it's like Jesus in this conversation as they're maybe walking down the road, I don't know. But as they're, as they're going, it's like the conversation stops and gets a little bit more serious. And Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, he said, hang on a second. He said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man doesn't have anywhere. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. And we're going to go into kind of what, what he's talking about there. But, but right off the bat, he kind of tells them, hey, are you sure that you really mean what you're saying? Are you sure that you really mean what you're saying? Because you're saying, hey, I'm selling out completely to you. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'm going to be who you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to walk like you do. I'm going to do your thing, and I'm, I'm going to be with you. And Jesus is like, hey, hang on just a second. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Uh, I love Mexican food, and, uh, and, and I, love weird, uh, I love weird food in general. And, and I, I think that's why I like Mexican food so much is because there are some really weird Mexican foods. And, uh, and I like to try new stuff. Uh, there's a little Mexican place in Arcadia. Uh, if you haven't been, I'm, I'm a total fan of it. And, um, and they have some, some regular Tex-Mex stuff. And then they have some, uh, I call them the originals. They're, they're, they're the real deal. And, um, and, and so I saw it on the menu and it said menudo, all right? It said menudo, and then I was reading it about menudo, and I had to get on my phone and kind of look, and it said tripe and hominy, and so then I was like, tripe, okay, well, we've got to learn more about tripe, so I got on, and I started Googling and learning about tripe, inside lining of the stomach, okay, and it's kind of all the hairy little fingers that, that, that grab everything and digest, all right, tripe, all right, I was like, hey, it's got to be something interesting, and so I ordered a little something else to go along with it, just in case I couldn't take the, the, the menudo, they I ordered it. I said, hey, I need that menudo. And every time I do it now, because I'll just go ahead and tell you I love it. And so I, every time I go, that's all I order. Just bring me the menudo. Every single time, the waitress or the waiter will look, and I'll say, hey, I just need the menudo, please. And they stop, and they look at me. I just don't think it gets ordered much. And they look, and they say, are you sure? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> and they're like, you know what it is? And I say, I do, do you? And, and we just started talking about it. She was like, how, you know, this last waitress, I think it just completely freaked her out. She wouldn't even walk past my table after she brought it. She would be walking, she set it down on the table, and I was like, thank you. And I'm going to tell you, it kind of smells a little bit barnyard, pooey, kind of, you know. It, it messes everybody up at the table. Let me just say, everybody's like, ah, you know. I sit on the end. But she would walk past, this lady was like, you're eating that? And I'm like, I am. And I just sit there. <laughs> hang a little piece of tripe out of my mouth, you know? And, but it just messed her up. It messed her up. She said, are you sure you really, really, really want that? Jesus tells this guy, he says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. He was at a spot where he was excited about what was going on. And Jesus says, hey, hang on real quick. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. I think we get a couple of things that are going on here. And probably, probably the, uh, the first big thing is that Jesus is saying here is when it comes to having a relationship with him, we've got to be willing to count the cost. We have got to be willing to count the cost. 
I think that Christ is saying, Christ is saying here, we can't go into this thing. He, he doesn't want us to go into this relationship with him unknowingly. He wants us to know what's going on because I think he wants people to be real in their decision. He wants people to be real in their commitment. He wants people to be real in their follow through. And so he's saying, hey, up front, guys, let's count the cost and see if we're ready to, uh, if we're really ready to do that. You know, it's interesting that he was, he mentions the birds of the air and foxes and he says that they have holes in the ground. They have nests. We see earthly things with earthly shelters. We see things of this world living in this world. But he says, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. And he's saying, guys, I'm not of this world. And so I think that directly points to us, if we are going to be followers of Christ, we have to be willing to step outside of the box and look at life and say, you know what, all the things, I think that's part of us turning from our sin, turning from our past life, is because we look at it and we say, I can't be of this, the world. I can't be, I can't have these things in my life. I can't let this be a part. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be, try to be as transparent as I can possibly be. One of my greatest pet peeves in life is pharisaical, hypocritical Christians. I watched them all my life growing up. Adults that would condemn and bring you down and say, this is, you know, you're not good enough because you've done this and this and this. But then they were never about grace or never about building people up. So I made a goal in my life that I would never be that person. And I think this is part of what God is speaking to me about because I think in areas, and it's not like, it's not like hey, I'm selling crack or I'm going, you know, it's, it's not like I'm, I'm on the streets like, like going crazy. But, but I think God is continually speaking to me about what it looks like to have a refined relationship with him that we don't have to be hypocritical, but at the same time, we don't have to be everything of this world. In an attempt, I think a lot of Christians that don't want to be hypocritical or they don't want to be pharisaical and condemning and, and bringing people down, they, they start, their lives start to look so much like a non-Christian's life that there's no distinction between the two. And I'm, just, I'm challenging you guys, don't let that be what your life looks like. Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern. Get this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, after that, after we're renewed and transformed, we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and His perfect will. There's a point where we've got to be open and honest enough that, 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 that in an attempt to not be a Pharisee or to bring people down, that we don't look, start looking so much like the world that, that it blurs the lines of what a Christian and a non-Christian is. And I feel like, I'll be honest with you, I'm just going to be straight. and uh, I, can't, I, I would hate to stand up here and not be able to say this to you because I wanted to hide it. I think there's areas of my life that I've done that over the years, that I've blurred it, and it makes me sick. And, and, and so now I'm trying to look and see what needs to be, what needs to be different, what needs to be distinct. I don't want to just know it in my head. I don't want you to just know it in your head what needs to happen. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. A lot of times we have this knowledge pounded into our brain, but we've got to let it sink from our brain to our heart, into our hands and our feet, and place action into the Word of God and what it says. That's our challenge. Jesus says, first thing, count the cost. 
Verse 59, it said, then to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as far as you go and proclaim the kingdom of God, that seems like a very, very reasonable request by this guy. Hey, I'm going to follow you, God, but first let me go bury my father. And it's like, okay. And then Jesus comes back with this response that doesn't seem that, that, that cordial. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. Let's go for it. But in reality, in this passage, in, in kind of this day and time, and even since then, uh, in, 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 you know, just reading commentaries, and it's not like, hey, I you know, studied in the Middle East, but just reading commentaries, just a very, very common phrase would be after, you know, I bury my father, I bury my mother, where they may be in great health, but they're saying, after my mother and my father are gone, after this point in time. So this, this guy's father may have been 30 years old and in great health, but, he's, but in turn, he's saying, hey, after my father is gone, after I've lived for my father, I will come and live for you. After I have lived for my Father, I will come and I will live for you. How does that apply to us this morning? I think that is one. I think that Christians and non-Christians alike use this excuse, but I think this is a great hindrance for, for non-Christians. They will, say, they will say, I will, after I do this in my life, after I get past this phase in my life, Jesus, I will turn my life over and live for you. So after I live for this, I will live for you. What this guy is saying is that right now, above Jesus and above everything else, he's placing this relationship with his father. Jesus said, I want you to count the cost. We're not of this world. And then he says, don't put it off. The second big thing that he says is don't put Christ off. It's a kind of a paradox. It's kind of a weird deal. At first he's saying, hey, make sure, hang on, don't get rushed into this. Make sure you know what you're doing. But then he says, don't put this off. Do this right now. Do this right now. Last two verses. It says, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first say, let me say farewell to all of those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. All right, there's no, there's no denying. If you know me, I'm a redneck. Okay, right? I'm a redneck. Brian, you got to... There's the overall. I mean, that was yesterday, all right? Uh, and I was going to talk more about overalls, but I, I, I'm going to save that for another one. But, uh, but, but anyway, I'm a redneck, okay? I like doing it. Um, I have two of my best friends that live right next door. One lives right next door to me. One lives right across the street. We all grew up together, and now we just happen to all live right next to each other. And in the evenings, especially in the summer when we're all off, it's like a redneck village, okay? We're just having, it's like our own, it's like, we, we call it Cool Street. We can do whatever we want on Cool Street, all right? We have the big side yard. We, I mean, every redneck stream, we have the red, little blow-up inflatable pool. All the kids are running around there in the pool. The adults are in the pool. The dogs are in the pool. The chickens are running through the yard. I mean, it is what it is, all right? Jeremiah lives right across the street from me. Great, uh, great guy. Interesting fellow. I've known him since we were little, little, little. And uh, Jeremiah has a little kid named Cooper. I love Cooper. Addie, my daughter, loves Cooper. And uh, Cooper is crazy. And he has, a, uh, he has a bicycle, and he decided as he's getting older that he doesn't want to ride it with both his training wheels, but he's not ready to give it up completely. So he just pull, pulled one training wheel off, and he leans to the side that has the training wheel on it. And so he rides kind of, you know, swervy. 
And, uh, and he'll ride all over the yard, all right, and just hollering, and Addie's on her little electric four-wheeler, and I mean, it's just, it, you know, races in her diaper running around, and it's like, don't judge. And uh, we're having a good time. We were sitting there, me and Jeremiah and Landon were talking one day. Cooper's out riding on his bicycle, and he's riding around, and he gets to flying down my buddy Landon's driveway. And he looks back at us, me and Jeremiah and Landon, and he says, hey, y'all watch me. Watch what I'm fixing to do. And about the time he got, watch what I'm fixing to do out of my mouth, he didn't realize that he was headed for one of those, like, those little Eason portable buildings, and he was flying. I mean, the, the training wheels were smoking. And he is going, and he never even looks. And he slams into the side of this portable building. He flies over the handlebars. It's kind of like a cartoon. He sticks to the building, and he just slides down. And he falls out, and none of us even say anything. We're just waiting to see what happens. And we're like, Cooper's gone, man. You know, <laughs> you had a good run at it for four years, Coop. <laughs> you know, nah, 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 nah. you know. And he slides down the building, and he looks, he sits up. I wish I had a video. I can make a thousand dollars on America's Family's funniest videos. He sits up, and he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and we're like, "Cooper, are you all right?" And he's like. He's kind of stumbling. It, it knocked the fool out of him. He said, yeah. And he just kind of goes into the house, and we didn't, we didn't see him. What happened wasn't that Cooper was riding the bike, and he couldn't ride the bike. What, 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 what happened was not that he uh, was not capable of riding the bike. The problem was that he was not looking where he was going. He was more focused on where he had been than where he was going. I'm going to talk to you, summing this up and wrapping this up. I'm going to talk. If you are a Christian, I'm speaking to you. If you've never given your life to Christ, I'm, I'm speaking to you. I think that both areas, Christian and non-Christian alike, can spend a lot of time looking back, and it can be a great hindrance to us. Let's talk to the Christian first. If, you have, if there's been a point in your life that you've given your life to Christ, one area that we can look back and it can be a great hindrance is we can look back and say, you know what, I know that God... His grace is sufficient, and, 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 and He can save me, and I'm confident in that. But because of my past, I don't feel like Christ can use me. And we're so focused on our past that we lose sight of our future and what Christ wants to do with our lives. And, and, and it's like well, when we do that, guys, I'm just being honest. It's like we take Christ and we put him in an oatmeal can and push him onto the bottom shelf in the back corner and say, hey, thank you for saving me, but I, you're, I'm of no use to you anymore, you know, because I all of my past. And I put it, hey, when I need some Jesus, I'll come and open the can up. And it's just a dangerous thing. I talk to a lot of people that are non-Christians that have never given their life to Christ. And one thing that I've heard a whole lot is them looking back, saying, Josh, I understand the fact that, that, that Christ saved you. But Josh, you don't understand the past that I've had and what I've done and what I've gone through and what I'm involved, what I've been involved with and what I'm involved with right now. There's no way that God could save me. And it's not your fault if that is you because you don't know you don't, obviously, you don't have a relationship with Christ, so you don't know Christ. But I'm going to make you a promise that Christ is bigger than your problem. Christ is bigger than your mistake. 
Christ is bigger than whatever that speed bump is that's in the back. And I'm going to just be honest, if you, you can sit and you can wallow in your self-pity and saying, Christ can't do anything for me, but all you're doing is playing a game in your head. I'm just making a commitment and a promise to you that Christ can and does want to use you and wants to take your life and to save you. Don't look back. Don't look back. Recapping the three things. Right off the bat, Jesus tells us to count the cost. Know what we're getting into. When we've counted the cost and we know what we're getting into, the second thing is don't, don't, uh, don't put Christ off. Do it now. The third thing is don't look back. I encourage you this morning to take an honest look at your life. Where are you at right now? Where are you at right now in this place? Where are you at with your walk with God? Where are you at with your relationship with others? What needs to happen in your life? My grandfather passed away yesterday morning, and um, he'd been sick for a long time. And there had been, there was a little stress there, a little strenuous stuff. And, uh, but me and, me and my grandpa had an awesome conversation one night in the hospital. And I'm going to tell you, it was, it was, it's, it's, it's one of those conversations that they get easier, but they're never easy. I said, Granddaddy, I just want to honestly talk to you about something that is really big. I said, where are you, where are you at with your relationship with Christ? I said, have you, have you ever given your life to Christ? And it was just me and him in the room. Everybody was gone. And he said, Josh, I'm very, very, very confident in my relationship with Christ. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't, I didn't, smooth. I didn't try to take the easy road out and say, well, good, you know. We talked about it on and on and on. And that's all I have to go on with my relationship with my grandpa. I, I really, really pray that that was a sincere and real deal. My prayer f- for, for you guys is that, is, that, is that you examine your life. Because I'm going to tell you, yesterday morning when my grandpa breathed his last breath, the only thing that mattered in his life was not his family, it wasn't his career. It wasn't his accolades. It wasn't all of the great accomplishments that he had in life. It was if he had a relationship with Christ. I'm not here to scare you. I'm not here to say, oh, doom and gloom. I'm saying, let's be real. Let's just be real about this. Are we where we need to be with God? Let's pray together. I just want to, as Justin comes up, I just want us to think honestly for a second. And I just want to ask you, where, where are you at with this? Where are you at? Jesus calls us into a real relationship with him, one that we count and we know what we're getting into and we know what's up. We saw a lot of students this past week get baptized, give their lives to Christ. There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus is working in their hearts in the student ministry. I'm asking you as adults to do what they have done these last two weeks and take an honest look at your life. To not let pride be what has got you in the, got in the way of you being where you need to be with Christ. Because I promise you at the end of the day, just like your greatest accomplishment won't matter when you breathe your last breath, neither will be how prideful you were or not. Are you right with Christ this morning? And if you are, and you are a Christian, Are you doing what he has called you to do? He doesn't just save us to sit us on a log. He saves us to use us. Are we being used?
we're going to stand up, and I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. We're not going to sing. We're not going to play. You can go ahead and stand up now. We're not going to sing. We're not going to have words on the screen. I'm just asking you to bow your heads and take some time, just some honest and open time with God. And I want to ask you, what decision do you need to make this morning? There'll be ministers down here. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to take an honest look and count the cost. And don't look back, and, 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 and to, but do it now. And say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner.